Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventure books and conversation from 11,000 feet in the beautiful Eastern Sierra. I'm your co-host Christopher, and with me is... I am the other co-host Stacy, and with us as always is our intrepid producer Doug. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Christopher. How How's things? Doing? We're good. How are you? Whew, things here is busy getting ready uh, for doing the school tech thing. Yes, it is. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. We are t minus six days in Mono County till the first day of school for all students in Mono County. It's exciting. I can't wait. You know, it's just. I know it's going to be another kind of awkward year for it, for all sorts of the obvious reasons, but I think we're all just waiting because school signals some sort of normalcy for more than just the educators and students and parents themselves. The whole community kind of walks that that clock, right? That rhythm. Yes, ab- absolutely. I, I agree. And yeah, I'm excited. Good. I'm excited. I am always excited. I mean, since I was a little be. kid, I've been excited for the first day of school. <laughs> Did you go out and buy new pencil cases every year and sharpen your oh, pencils? Oh yeah, and... went back to school. Still do. I mean, I still do with my kid. You know, we went we went to do the whole back to school shopping thing. That was my adventure this week. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, of course, had to drive to Reno and. You know, of course, my daughter's getting all of her binders and folders and paper and all that kind of stuff. But I had to get new pens because <laughs> you always need new pens at the start of the school year. And the fancier, the better. So, I know, right? Don't you kind of miss those days where this time of year was when you picked out your lunchbox? Yes, like- Batman lunchbox. So funny because I even, you know, she's a junior and she's going into her junior year of high school. And I said, do you want to get a new lunchbox? (laughs) And she looked at me like, mom. (laughs) And really what you were saying was, can I get a new lunchbox? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They probably don't make strawberry shortcake lunchboxes. I don't think they do. Or, you know, or the Brady Bunch. Right, exactly. We love dating ourselves on this podcast. I know, I know. So old. So my big adventure this week was was wasps in a book drop. You know, it's little things of library directors' lives that people don't think about. What do you um, do in a situation with a situation like that? You spend a lot of time on the phone waiting for the Terminex operators to get back to you, and <laughs> and then you yeah you meet an exterminator and and let them do all the work and stay on their advice, stay very very far away. So, um, but yeah, just fun, you know, listeners, we had decided during our break, we were doing some strategizing about this next season. We decided to freshen up the format of our podcast a little bit, right, Stace? Yep, we did. So, um, you know, based on some feedback and based on listening to some of our old episodes, we, we decided we would wrap our adventure conversation into our own, our own banter, but also our guest conversations, because we always ask them what they're up to in the Eastern Sierra as well. So, Hopefully that'll just make things a little bit smoother. 
And uh, we welcome your feedback during the season to see if it's working for you, right? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Whenever I want affirmation in life, I've learned I just go look at Stacy and I go, right? <laughs> and I always say yes. I always agree. <laughs> Even when you don't. You're so sweet. <laughs> uh, let's go right into the books, though. This time, I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. We've been waiting to talk about this book, right? Because we both Perfect. read it. Uh, yes, and and we've been anticipating it. Yeah, you yeah. know, we've been anticipating its release for almost the the first six months of the the year, and it came out on June first. Well, you you you, I got it, it on June first. You, you yeah. did, and yeah. and you're the one who recommended it to me, and I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it. So why don't you tell Good. our listeners what the book is? Great. So the book is Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It is all over all of the bestseller lists right now. It is all over every celebrity book list pick, whatever, whatever those things are <laughs> called that they do. Um, it is, it is the hot book of the summer. It is, isn't it? Yes. And it, it is, well, it, it is kind of a beach read. Well, who's, who's the author? Taylor Jenkins Reid. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Okay. Go ahead. Um, it's, it should be said more than once. Yes, because it should. She is. And, and she is. So I was completely shocked because I, in doing research, I had pictured her and Taylor Jenkins Reid, who's probably not listening to this, but if she is, no offense by what I'm about <laughs> to say, I had pictured her in my mind as like this, you know, 60 something year old author, you know, the whole, like my grandmother's hair. I don't know why, but I, you know, I, I just pictured her as an older, older woman. So when I did my research for this and I was, I turned, I saw this interview with her on YouTube and she came on the screen. I was like, Oh my God, she's like 12. <laughs> she's really in her late thirties, right? Yes. Um, but she looks, she, it just t completely did not match up to the picture I had in my mind of her. Um, you know, but I, I really liked her. No, I agree. I, you know, when I was reading this book, which is set in like the late seven, mostly set late seventies, early eighties, early eighties, right. 80s, right. Most, yeah. most of the action takes place in 1983. I right. was thinking she was more our age, you know, because that's kind of when we were, Right. You know, about teen, the age 20s. of the characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, right. So I was, uh, you know, I was not as blown away by her age as you, but um, yeah, I was like, wow, she's, this is a really, yeah. really good, good novel. Um, and this young author is really taking it to town. Yeah. And, you know, her other books, we're going to, we are going to get to discussing. Malibu, but I'll just say really quickly, her other books, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and Daisy Jones and the Six are, are also blowing up right now. And they're all over TikTok. They are, aren't they? It's like, yeah. um, I was reading, so the date that we're recording this, there's a, a piece on her, a profile in the New York Times. Really good. Um, a really good profile. And, you know, she had written a number of books. Um, she was a, a, a casting director or worked in casting agencies in Hollywood for a long time. She had written a number of books, you know, through her twenties and early thirties. And then 
she decided, you know, she's an ambitious person. She decided right. she wanted to be bigger. So she switched agents and came out with these two books you just mentioned. Daisy Jones really hit it out of the park. And then yeah. everyone wanted to read another book by her. So they went back to yeah. Evelyn Hugo and her seven husbands, which was inspired by a piece on Ava Gardner, apparently. Right. Yep. Um, and so that book then became a bestseller, you know, even though it came out before Daisy Jones. So those two are like out. And I think they really paved the way. Like they, they're the shoot that Malibu Risen shot out of, you know? Correct. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And there, and you know, that, that stardom or that fame thread is through, runs through all three of these books. And she's in the middle of writing the fourth and what she's calling the capstone of this series, kind of a, they're not interrelated specifically, but she's calling this new book that she's working on right now, her capstone in this series about women in Hollywood and in the industry Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who, who are dealing with fame and all that that entails. Right. Which really comes out in Malibu Rising. Absolutely. So Malibu Rising is a story of the Riva siblings and they live Duh, in Malibu. And <laughs> in the early 80s. In the early 80s. Yeah. And the the story flips back and forth between like the late 50s, early 60s, and then, you know, it, what is the novel's present day of 1983. And Nina Riva is the oldest of the four siblings. Their father, Mick Riva, is kind of like this. Frank Sinatra, I think you related him to Bobby Darren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he's this kind of loungy, famous singer, multiple hits, multiple wives. Right. And um, I couldn't decide. Like, he, he broke out in the late 50s, right? That's when he had his first singles right. or whatever. So I was thinking Bobby Darren, but then he was still popular in the 70s. So I was like, well, maybe he's more like Tom Jones. I don't know. That's a good, yeah, I, I could, I was kind of thinking like Elvisy, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one too. I, yeah. I don't know. But anyways, he's, I had this picture of him like as this like lounge guy, you know, in, you know, the big stage in Vegas right? at that time, you totally. know, with the, the tuxedo with the thing undone and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so descriptive. Uh, the the roughly roughly textured yeah, shirt. Right. I'm totally with yeah. you on that description. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. So we we're picturing the same guy. So anyway, so he's the kind of the absent dad, and you know they do everything they can for a time to scrape by. Uh, the four kids are basically the mom isn't dead, and then they do everything they can to kind of scrape by in their lives until they all achieve their own versions of fame. Yeah. It's interesting. I thought that I kind of thought as I was reading through that, that that was an interesting choice of the author. Like they are all individually ambitious. Every character in this book actually has some degree of ambition. Yes. Which like, I'm sure if you go to a party in Hollywood, (laughs) everyone in the room is ambitious. Right. So, um, that really comes out like he, he marries their mother, June. June doesn't want to have to run her family's seafood restaurant. Right. Um, she's, she's thought she had her ticket out by marrying Mick. Um, and then Mick, leaves her very early on after fathering the kids and 
basically disappears. And so she has to then run the restaurant just to support her kids. Right. And then ultimately, you know, won't go too much detail here, but um, she falls out of the picture and you just pointed out Nina basically steps in. Right. She becomes the matriarch leader, breadwinner um, of, of the family. At age 18. Right, exactly. She, she. I think she drops out of high school, if yeah. I remember correctly, and yep. um, becomes a famous swimsuit model. Right. But the the one through line that connects the the four kids, other than the fact that they're siblings, is surfing. So they resolve all, any conflicts or any, um, you know, any troubles that they're having. They all go out paddle out together and have a surf and that's where they figure out their life. And so surfing is kind of the through line. It's so Malibu. It's so Malibu. And, and, you know, she, I know a little bit about surfing. I have, there was a time, you know, when I was able to go out and surf and my husband is a, and his friends are all, you know, really big surfers and she does such a good job of def- describing, defining that culture. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't she doesn't romanticize it in any way. She basically tells it like it is, and um, you know, she she does not. She has said in interviews that she does not surf. <laughs> so she um, and that actually it was her husband's idea for surfing to be this through line. You know, um, I, I, I don't surf either. And, but I felt like I kind of knew a little bit about surfing when I was reading this book because of that, mm-hmm. like she, yeah. she did such a great job of creating that early eighties Malibu atmosphere. You can yeah. feel the heat, you can smell the sand in the ocean. You can smell the car exhaust driving up one or PCH or whatever. And you can really kind of just visualize being there right? Even absolutely. when you're out on the board waiting for the waves. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely. And, you know, even going, taking that idea and going one step further, she also does the same thing about describing the, the age and the culture of what the, what it was to be somebody in your late teens, early twenties in 1983. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, since I was that, I know that she did a good job. <laughs> I'm sure that's one of the things that makes this book resonate with so many people. Yeah, absolutely. And, she, you know, the, the characters are all really, really well developed. You kind of understand and can say, yeah, I, I get why Nina is motivated in the way that she is. I get why she made that decision. It They all... S- all the the trajectories of the siblings make sense. It and, does. It, it, they do, right? And they all have their mm-hmm. kind of coming-of-age moment. There are the four siblings. There's Nina, Hud, what was the other kid's What's name? Jay? The, the, Jay. Jay. Jay is, Jay is the second, then Hud, and then Kit. Then Kit is the youngest. So youngest, yeah. Two girls, two boys, um, and they all kind of – the book really does a good job of, of putting them all on some sort of coming of age trajectory or yeah. some life development trajectory. Life changing thing. And yes. the undercore of the theme with, and we're not giving anything away here is right. um, that 
you know, the parents are completely out of the picture until the very end of the book. We won't talk about that, but, right. um, you know, so these are kids who are really making it on their own. Exactly. And so that when she goes back in time, then she's kind of setting up how it happens that these kids have been raising themselves pretty much. And when she's in the quote unquote, 1983 present day, um, they're preparing for this big party. Right. And, and that's not giving anything away either. Nope. And the, the, the story kind of culminates with the party, the night of the party. And, you know, as, as typical of parties in the eighties all over the country, as typical and very typical of Hollywood parties, they frequently go awry and things (laughs) get, they get too big and things get out of control. And that certainly is something that happens here. But yeah. I want I want to touch on something else because I want my our listeners to discover that part. Right, 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 right. Um, Although, go ahead. Oh well, I just you brought up a point. We were discussing this before we started recording of comparing Taylor Jenkins Reid to maybe being the Sydney Sheldon for the, the new, new millennium. I <laughs> was half joking, but and I, I, we are really dating ourselves. I mean, if half of our listeners know who Sydney Sheldon is, we're okay. But, you know, I was doing that because, you know, both of them have that connection to the entertainment industry and yeah. both were both. Well, Sydney Sheldon was a hugely popular best-selling writer. He's still, yes. he's been dead for over a decade and he's still, his books still sell, you know, very soap opera, very, you know, glitz and glamour and what have you. And I think you were pointing out this book doesn't really focus on that kind of glitz and glamour takes a different lens, but I was thinking like, wow, she is really positioning herself as a writer an ambitious writer connected to the industry to really be on that same kind of trajectory or at least that popular. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I agree with you. Um, I, you know, for several reasons in that, you know, the, the, you know, these three books that are so popular right now that she has written all center on the industry. Yeah. And Hollywood and the the strong female connection to Hollywood, right? And they all have these strong female people at the or characters at the center of of the novels, similar to Sidney Sheldon. He right. always had, you know, this woman that was going to survive no matter the worst things that happened. She was going to persevere and and be successful. You know, and when thinking about it too, he was also kind of the first author that had his books made into like miniseries. Yeah, he was of that generation, right? Yeah. When he started doing those miniseries. Yeah. Right. And she is also like both uh, the seven hu- husbands of Evan. Evelyn Hugo and Daisy Jones and the Six and this book has are have already been optioned for different TV projects. Yeah, or, I, think, I don't know. Do you call it TV now or streaming project? I don't know what you call it, but those kind of you know. Projects. Yes, yeah, those Netflixy kind of things. Well, I know Reese Witherspoon picked up one of them at least. Has picked up one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah different. They've all been different, but 
done by different people. But um, so, you know, I think there are a lot of similarities to yeah. to Sidney Sheldon. I just I, I just wanted to touch on that. I thought it was well, a good point. I think it is a good point. And I think, you know, that's probably, again, you know, I don't read a whole lot of this kind of book. I, I was describing it to you before we started talking about it. It's so soapy, you could wash your face with it, right? It's there's mm-hmm. a lot of drama. She tells you at the very beginning of this book that there's going to be drama. And, you know, so just wait for it. Like, you know, at the beginning of the book, without giving anything away, the house is going to burn down because of a party. So you're right. reading this book, waiting for waiting. this party to show happen and wonder who's going to show up. And it is kind of a fun, epic party. It's like, a, I describe it as a teen 80s teen movie party you know who the James Spader <laughs> character is who's the Demi Moore character who's the Anthony Michael Hall character you know they're all there and it's an enjoyable yep. part of the book and you know it doesn't completely disappoint like and she is successful yeah. at that so I think you know she really you know she could be a I don't know Sydney yeah. Sheldon's probably she's probably offended by that <laughs> she shouldn't she shouldn't be. The guy was, you know, he was a best-selling author time and time and time again. So it really should she shouldn't be offended by that at all. Taylor, don't be offended by this. Okay. But we both enjoyed the book, right? I thoroughly yeah, I, oh, I actually loved it. I didn't rush through this book. I actually set it down so that I could go back to it and kind of have something to take me out of all the drama of day-to-day life. So I savored yeah. it. I, I loved it. It did not disappoint even, you know, I'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and I was so excited to read it and I was sad when it was done. And yeah, Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, listeners, if you haven't read it yet, pick it up. It's at the library. It's in your bookstores. Um, and let us know what you think of the party at the end. And if you have one like it, please invite us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'd like to burn your house down. On <laughs> that note, that's the book segment. We will be right back with our conversation. Go grab something to drink and uh, stay tuned.
Welcome back, listeners, to the C Conversation part of our episode. And you were just listening to the Mammoth High School Jazz Band. Hope you enjoyed that. And today, this is kind of our back-to-school episode. And we are so happy today to have Mike Hammers, the music director, teacher, band master, music, uh, music. Is that all? Is that, Mike, is that all your title? Good (laughs) day. Yeah, all things music, the music band. You you are Mike Hammers from, from Mammoth Unified School District. And thank you, Mike, for being here today on your last Friday of summer vacation. Yeah, of course. I'm I'm happy and, and honored to be here with you. Thanks for, for the invite. Happy to talk with you for a bit before school starts next week. Well, I was you know, I was saying when we started this episode how I always get excited for the first day of school, no matter what level in my career as a student, you know, teacher, administrator, whatever. Are you excited for the first day of school? And be honest, you know, no judgment. <laughs> I am excited. You know, we fall in love with summers as teachers and all this time off, which is really nice and hard to get away from. But uh, doing what we love and working with kids and making music is also fun. So, yeah, I get excited every first day. That's and great. I'm usually in the classroom about a week or two in advance getting ready because I want to be prepared. <laughs> you want to be ready, right? Oh, that's awesome. that's awesome. That's great. Well, I know that you are beloved by your students, one of one of whom is my child. And so that I think yeah, I think that that helps quite a bit, right? When, you know, the kids, you know the kids love you and it's easier to love them back. <laughs> I think it helps. I think teaching music a cool subject that most of them are wanting to take and be at um Helps helps my cause as well. So yeah, it's fun. Right. Well, Mike, let's let's start out with a question we ask our our guests. Um, how did you? We're so grateful that you're here in in Mammoth, in Mono County. How did what brought you here? <laughs> uh, it's been a journey. I, I grew up in in Southern California uh, in the Inland Empire, a little place called Hemet, desert ah. town. Um, and, and you know. Went through school there, played my sports, did music from fifth grade on, um, and then went to school in Long Beach. Cal State Long Beach is my alma mater. Went to the Bob Cole Conservatory of Music, where I got to study music education and also music performance. Um, and a lot, I play French horn, by the way. That's my primary. Wow. That's what I picked up in fifth grade uh, when I asked my band teacher for a trumpet or a saxophone. They said, no, but we have a French horn <laughs> left over. So I picked that one up and uh, stuck with it. <laughs> so went to school and uh, started working in Orange County as a substitute teacher and, and student teaching and all of that, working in a music shop and was surfing EdJoin, which is a, a website where we get to see all the teacher jobs yeah. that open up in the state. And Mammoth posted a, a pretty cool opportunity to, to move up and to teach the entire district K through 12 music program. Um, so I, I had been to Mammoth as a kid. Uh, my family had skied here a few times. Mm-hmm. I'm an avid skier. It's part of the draw that got me. Um, and just thought, wow, it'd be a lot of fun to, to move up to the mountains and, and ski after work and, and teach music in a beautiful place. So, so that's what got me here is just uh, finding the job and, and knowing that it sounded like a next fun step for me. 
Well, you you said that you teach the whole district. So for listeners who don't know, that is kindergarten, TK, transitional kindergarten to 12th grade. How do you do it all? (laughs) It's a whirlwind. Each day is definitely a whirlwind. (laughs) Um, You know, my my responsibilities or my job assignment has changed a little bit uh, as the programs Mm -hmm. have grown here in town. But the first year um, I was uh, teaching K through 12. The high school only had five students um, enrolled in a music class and the middle school had about 10 um, and outside of those two upper division classes, uh, they pretty much said, grow the program from the bottom and teach general music for our youngest kids. So that's what we did the first couple of years and uh, started to grow more and more interest and get energy back into the program so that eventually now middle school and high school were growing. We opened a, a choir. Um, we mm-hmm. opened a music technology class, which is a really cool offering for students who, who didn't play or sing but wanted to still make music on a computer. Um, and, uh, and, you know, those programs took off middle school band began to be about 60 students. Um, and high school band, we, you know, jazz or symphonic, mm-hmm. they all grew, which pulled my time a little bit more towards those upper grades. But, but each day you'll see me walking between our three schools, <laughs> teaching recorders, <laughs> guitar class, choir. It's, it's a whirlwind, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that, you know, um, at least for the younger kids? How do you get the younger grades inspired or, or introduced to music? What are the tactics that you use? I just think it's about building an appreciation and making it fun and almost a game for them. Um, if you can kind of build a love for music in them, even though our performance levels aren't high, if they're playing, if they're listening, if they're reacting then later on, once you introduce shiny instruments and loudspeakers and things, they're excited for it. So just building a love and appreciation with the young guys. That's brilliant. And mm-hmm. every fall you do what I, is one of my favorite things that you do with the students is the informants. Yeah. Can you tell, our, tell us about the inform how that inspiration came up? (laughs) I picked up the idea through my student teaching um, when I studied at Woodbridge down in Irvine. Um, And it's the idea of a performance, but it's very early on in the year. It's about two or three weeks into the school year where kids are just kind of getting the routine and picking up these basics. So the informants is for our audience, it's informal, but it's also informative. Um, where we get to show the parents, say, hey, this is what we did in our first week. We played one note all week, but we practiced these rhythms. Mm-hmm. Now in week two, now we're building notes two and three, and we're, we're expanding on these basics. And I think for, for our audience, for our families, it's a really cool um, opportunity to see how we're starting the year. It also gives a great reference when we do our spring concert at the end of the year, how far we've come. And I know yes. that's a, a really cool thing to see. Yeah. Well, we, we enjoy that as parents, for <laughs> sure. That's, that's awesome. Can you talk a little bit more? Also, you mentioned music technology. What is that like recording? Is it electronic music? Is it mixing? What, what is that? Yeah, it, it was a, a class that we opened up um, in connection with CTE, or Career Technical Education, mm-hmm. where we were trying to give students job ideas and trades that they could pursue after high school. Um, and you know, a lot of students don't play an instrument or sing along their, their K-12 experience, but are interested in music. They listen to it. They, they want to know how to make it. Um, so we opened the class with a, a cart of laptops. We were lucky to have a, some funding come in where we bought some technology. 
um, which has DAWs or digital audio workstations the kids can work in. Um, we talk about how to record different instruments. So we set up microphones and soundboards in the classroom, very hands-on, very just kind of creating. Um, and we also built a little studio here at the school, which is really cool to see. If you ever have a chance to come by, it's all the walls are padded. We have nice microphones and, and technology in there. So just a, a cool, modern adaptation of a music class that's a little bit less traditional, but a lot of fun for the kids. Now, I would love I, that. <laughs> I've seen you play music. So tell us a little bit about what you do as a musician, apart <laughs> from... I don't know how you have time, but apart from <laughs> yeah, I, uh, as I mentioned, I grew up playing French horn, my first instrument, mm -hmm. uh, all the way through, through my schooling and in college. Um, and at Long Beach, I was able to play in a, a few symphonies and college orchestras, um, take private lessons, those kind of things. So that's my primary instrument. Um, uh, here in, in Mono County in Mammoth, we have the Cerro Coso Community College, um, mm -hmm. which I enroll in each semester. And it's with Brian Schultz of the Felici Trio. Uh, he directs us. And I'm just able to continue my craft a little bit, get to play my own instrument for me, which is nice. Um, but along my schooling and along my, my career, I've been lucky to pick up a lot of instruments. And each day you're going to see me playing different instruments, maybe trumpet in the band class and guitar mm -hmm. and recorder for the little kids. And uh teaching myself more piano and how to sing in front of an all girls choir, which was not my forte as an instrumentalist, <laughs> but, but just getting used and comfortable with it. Um, it's been a lot of fun. So each day is something different and I get to play instruments all day, which is a lot of fun. I love seeing you play with the kids when <laughs> you have the, the concerts. I just, they must just love that so much when you play along with them. It's nice. It's like I chose to be in high school the rest of my life. So I might as well <laughs> take advantage of the band program and play with them. <laughs> Mike, what do you listen to when you're not at work? What, what music do you put on in the car? This is a common question for a music teacher. <laughs> my father-in-law is a music teacher. So there you go. <laughs> um, my tastes are all over the place, really. Um, really different activities and different moods and I'll put on different, different musics. I think most often I, I go back to the nineties, <laughs> listen to nineties, alternative rock and hip hop. Um, just cause that's what I grew up with and I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. but there's times where some jazz music or some classical is what I need, or, you know, I'll listen to modern music to see what the kids are listening to. <laughs> <laughs> Usually go back to the nineties though. <laughs> That's a good well, era to go back to. It is. That's my favorite. <laughs> so you mentioned that you grew up skiing here. So what else do you like to do in your limited free time or in the summers? <laughs> I think I have a similar story to, to a lot of imports here to Mammoth where you move up for winter because you love to ski and, and you love the snow. And then you absolutely fall in love with the other seasons and summer and time off and all of that. So outside of skiing, uh, we love to hike and backpack. Uh, me and my mm -hmm. girlfriend, Ashley, who is a nurse at the hospital. Um, she and I love to get away, especially during the summers, unplug from all the technology and, uh, get in the back country. So that's definitely one of our, our top hobbies. Um, I've been getting into mountain biking, which is terrifying, but awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll have to have a side chat about our respective uh, crashes this summer because yeah. I've had a few myself. I was yeah. going to say, 
Stacy bears the the scars of her mountain biking I, this summer. Yeah, all all over all over the place. Now you you've had you've had quite a few adventures this summer. I've seen in pictures and social yeah, media. A, a bit of a staycation this summer. Didn't yeah. really go anywhere, but was able to take advantage of of our beautiful backyard. So, yeah, wonderful. And Mike, we always ask our guests, "What are you? What are you reading now?" Or what is your favorite book to recommend? <laughs> um, you know, quite honestly, I'm not a huge reader. Um, through through becoming a music teacher, I've always kind of spent my free time playing instruments or yeah. watching a movie. It's, it's more of my go-to. <laughs> but I am reading a book right now that was given to me by Annie. I know our, our listeners oh, can't see this, yes. but it's uh, Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I like to brush up on some leadership um, ideas and, and how to lead my classes better. I also have some desire later in my career down the road to take more of a leadership role. Um, so I've been reading this book this summer and uh, it's great. It really kind of talks yep. about courage and, and shame and honesty and, and how to deal with kind of emotions. Um, so really cool book. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's so, she's so great. We, we've read that book in our office as well. And it's, <laughs> It's worth the time. Yeah. For sure. yeah. Well, reading music is reading too. I used to be right. a music student way back in the day. That counts. That counts. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Seven <laughs> letters A, B, C, D, E, G. So less there you letters go. to worry about. <laughs> um, you probably also get, I'm sorry, I just want to go back to this real quick. You probably also get this question a lot too. Do you write music? Um, no. I would love to, um, and I definitely have um, in the past. Uh, you know, taking composition classes, I've written you know full scores for orchestras and bands, um, and I'll sit down at a piano and, and improvise a bit and kind of come up with a chord progression and let it evolve. Um, but I haven't really been putting any of my own compositions down on paper or anything recently. Yet, right? Yet, yeah. <laughs> with all that time that's coming with school right around the corner. So, so, so mentioning that school, you know, and we've, we mentioned this earlier in the episode as well with school starting next week, what is the one thing that you are most looking forward to for this upcoming school year? Sure. Um, I think we're most looking forward to starting the year with students in seat and making music as a group, as opposed to individually at home. Um, last year was really tough for teachers, students, everyone. Um, and the number one feedback that I heard from the kids is like, we take band and performance classes and choir so that we can be with our friends and we can make music in the same room. And that didn't really happen until the very end of the year. So, so being optimistic and starting the year, even though there is a lingering pandemic still going on and we have rules and procedures to follow, we're starting in a better place than we started last year. So that's, that's a great thing to look forward to and just making music in one room is, is what we all look forward to. Is that something you see in the students that, um, you know, their music class is kind of, is so different from the rest of the classes they take during the course of a week that it's like an exhale for them, that it's a release, <clears throat> that it's something they can really just get into for the emotion and the connection to it or. I do see that. I, I feel very privileged to teach a subject where, again, your students sign up for your class and they want to be there because it's fun for them and uh, challenging. You know, playing an instrument is not an easy task and reading music is not simple. Um, but I like to see them step up to that challenge and find the enjoyment in it 
whether they become a, a lifelong music lover, they go study music, or just, you know, they had that experience as a kid, I think it's so important for them. Well, it's it's been a wonderful experience for our daughter to, you know, been, be in your classes for all these years. She's been with you since sixth grade. Yeah. She's in 11th now, and... <laughs> You being with you is the highlight of her day. I can uh, tell you she was she was talking about it with her girlfriends the other day. How <laughs> jazz is just her favorite. It's her happy place. And having the, had the opportunity to be in the next room during distance learning and get to listen in sometimes, um, you did such a beautiful job recognizing the difficult situation that kids were in. <laughs> Thank you. That, that's cool to hear. And hopefully you overheard the, the good part of the teaching and not the yelling at the kids or wasting time all, on Zoom. Or <laughs> no, it was, it was always, it was always good and, um, in, and much appreciated. Thank you, you are much appreciated. Thank you. So. I feel like an, uh, another parent to these kids, because I do see them from whenever they start their journey through possibly when they graduate high school. So it's cool to see your daughter and the other kids grow up and progress. Well, I wish you'd been around to help teach her to drive this summer because that would have been nice. That's, that's uh, all you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, before, before we leave the topic, a lot of our listeners in a, in a normal year, um, you know, for our listeners who might be interested in hearing like the jazz band or other, the choruses or whatever, are there normal opportunities that you bring the kids out into the community to perform? Yes. Um, we, we do a lot of community events and concerts and, and gigs around town. Um, the best way to kind of find those, if you can follow us, we have a, a Mammoth Music Facebook page where we're going to post all our performances. We have a Mammoth Lakes Instagram page as well. Um, but yeah, we do, we do things like work at the Grand Fondo and, and uh, Half Marathon. We play at the Husky Fest Golf Tournament. Um, you'll see us at football games, volleyball games, basketball games. We do a fall yep. informants, winter concert, spring yep. concert, really, really a lot of performance because it's one of the kids' favorite parts. So keep your That's eyes awesome. out on our social medias and look at the school website as well. They usually post our concert dates. But yeah, come support us. We're always and the, free and the, we'd love to see you. <laughs> and if you want to donate to the music program. Where right, can they do Michael that? Hammers. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think Renee Brown told you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten to that page yet. Um, uh, very easy to donate either through any of the school front offices. If you visited, we have ASB accounts. We also are very uh, fortunate to have a partnership with Muses. It's called the Music yeah. Society of the Eastern Sierra. Um, they are a great partner. They are essentially our boosters group for our mammoth music programs. Um, and they have a Venmo and PayPal account that was muses, M U S E S. Awesome. Well, we will link those on our website too. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Definitely. Mike, thank you so, so much for being with us today. I know this is a super busy time for you and we really appreciate it. We're going to be featuring music from the jazz band that you direct so well. 
um, in our next few episodes and, and throughout the rest of the season. So um, that's, that's listeners awesome. can look forward to hearing that. Awesome. And listeners, thank you so much for being with us for another episode of the Oxygen Starved podcast. Please remember, you can find us on Instagram at O2Starved or our Facebook page at Oxygen Starved Podcast. Send us some comments. Let us know what you think about the newish format. And, and Malibu Rising. Tell us. And Malibu Rising, for sure. Half of you have read it. So tell us what you think. Yeah, we, we want to hear from you. We love hearing from you. So have a great day. Happy first day of school to everybody. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Start. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. In Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.